and welcome to The Third Power, episode number 15. This is Anthony Avitolo, and I'm here with my good friend Usman Jamil. Howdy, howdy. And uh, today's topic, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, cube organization. We're going to talk about how to keep track of all your sections, where do you put your cards, how do you classify everything, how do you balance it, even. Yeah, just like, uh, yeah, <laughs> Didn't think of the dirt there. Uh, just like where do you put certain cards, and uh, you know, there's different ways to do it. Uh, you know, and we're gonna go and uh, go into, I guess, go into detail about it. Yeah, absolutely. We're gonna, and, and the reason why this came up was with the new uh, Phyrexian mana uh, mechanic, as it were. Um, there's a little bit of, you know, there, there can be some open discussion as far as where you're slotting cards. Uh, and between that and some other comments we've seen recently, we figured it'd be a good time to, to bring it up and talk about different ways to do it and uh, which ways work. Pretty much, you know, we'll talk about a few different ones and see which one you like best. Maybe you want to change how you do yours or maybe you want to pat yourself on the back because uh, you feel like you're doing it right. Yeah, as opposed to uh, as opposed to doing it wrong, like the last episode. Astutely pointed out by one of our listeners that we forgot our uh, Rock Over in London Closure next last week, so I guess someone out there was paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Like it seemed like all the time we did that, and like nobody, nobody was like paying attention. I was like, yeah, somebody gets it. Yeah, like we had like one or two people were like, hey, that's awesome that you do that, and then no comments forever until we stopped, and someone's like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there was there's a couple movie references I've dropped that nobody's gotten yet, but. Oh, well. yeah, probably because they were terrible movies. I, didn't know <laughs> I, like, I, I never even heard of that movie, and I watch a lot of movies. Which one, uh, American movie? Yeah, I think that was it. I'm pretty sure that was it. I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I've seen a Kentucky Fried movie. I don't know what American movie is. <laughs> Kentucky Fried movie was good. Like that and Amazon Women on the Moon. Or... <laughs> That's all I remember, because, you know, I saw it when I was, like, 14. I'm like, oh, my God, they're in the shower. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like that and uh, was the Amazon Women on the Moon or something? Yeah, yeah, where he blows up. The, is that the one where he blows up the TV in the beginning? That sounds right, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen it, too. Also, yeah, there's a... Is that the one with the... Uh, there's a, there's another great movie, too, with... Uh, I don't know why I can't think of it, but it was had uh, with Winky Dinky Dog. Huh. I don't know. It was a, it was a movie about uh, black actors in Hollywood, and I can't remember the name of it. But it was a Robert Townsend movie, and there was, you know, a uh, the, the, they all worked at Winky Dinky Dog, or whatever, and uh, expanding into Winky Dinky Dog, Winky Dinky Burger, Winky Dinky Hoe Cakes. And they're like, Hoe Cakes? He's like, yeah, because a hoe got to eat, too. <laughs> now, for the life of me, now remember the name of this movie. We used to reference it all the time in high school. I'm sure they're going to be like, yeah, I know what that movie is, and maybe I'll remember by the end of it, or... By the time we go to post, I'll remember the name of it. I'll probably do an IMDb search on Robert Townsend and, and find it. But yeah. Anyway, <laughs> enough movie talk. Let's uh, let's do some crack crack packing, pack cracking. Yeah, that works. Packing. Crack crackings. Crack plumber. Cracking of packings. But yeah, like uh, I'm actually there's a site called TappedOut.net, which is pretty awesome. A site where you can you know upload your cube. And then, like, uh, it randomly generates packs and whatever. And this, uh, my cube is posted on there uh, right now 
with, uh, you know, with cards, with my current list. And I actually updated it just, uh, just a few minutes ago. It doesn't have Chandra's Phoenix, it looks like. Like, I put that in my cube already because I'm crazy like that. I, I truly am, you know, no arguments. But, uh, you know, there's none here, so I think I just replaced it with, like, Fire Slinger or something. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, this is automatically generated from tapped-out.net, so, uh, let's quote-unquote open sample pack. Alright, let's rock it. Okay, this should be interesting. Uh, pick number one, Grim Monolith. Number two, Necromancy. Number three, Mox Diamond. Number four, Consuming Vapors. Number five, Sensei's Divining Top. Number six, Go for the Throat. Number seven, uh, Sarcomancy. Very black this guy so far. Yeah, seriously. Number eight, uh, Wall of Omens. Number nine, Bribery. Or, yes, number nine. Number ten, uh, Carnifage. What the heck? Yeah, this is crazy. Number eleven, Plague Sliver. <laughs> yeah. Number 12, Batterskull. Oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, 13, Wildfire. 14, Woodfall Primus. And 15, because we didn't have enough black cards, Vampire Nighthawk. Holy crap, is this pack black. Yeah, no kidding. Wow. Yeah. I mean, this is this is as monocolored as I've seen a pack in a, in a very long time. Yeah, and it's like... Uh, it's all automatically generated, <laughs> whatever. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm pretty sure I'm... I could see some value in maybe taking one of the black aggressive cards here and just planning on being able to get another one on the loop. But I don't feel like any of the black cards are more powerful than the three artifacts or the blue card. Which, uh... Which artifacts? Like so, it was Grim, Grim Monolith, Mox Diamond, Sensei's Divining Top, and Wall and uh, Bribery. Well, there's a the other artifact. There's a Batter Skull also. Oh yeah, like but I, I don't think as good as Batter Skull is, I don't think I'm taking it first pick here over some of the other ones. Yeah. Anything with Top, I'm probably not taking Top here either. Um, as, as rough as it is, and I love seeing Top, you know, kind of like towards the middle of packs. Just not this early. I, I, I have a hard time doing it. And for me, for a person who doesn't play fast mana in my cube, whenever I see something like Grim Monolith, my eyes just light up. Yeah. I'm just like, holy crap, this card's awesome. But, it's, but Bribery is also one of my favorite cards, too, and it's in the magical color of blue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the only blue card so in this pack, yeah, which is, which is nice. It, which is nice, but, you know, so we're not passing any blue cards necessarily, but... I don't know if I can take it over uh, a Grim Monolith or a Mox Diamond. Yeah, I like both of those cards a lot. I don't know. What do you? I'm gonna keep thinking about this. What? Is, what are you? Where are you coming from in this? I'd probably take Mox Diamond, but that's hard. I don't know. I, I like Mox Diamond. It's it's a it's a card I initially underrated a lot, and like I was like, oh, you have to just start a land. It sucks. Blah blah. But I've been I've been happy with it. Like Grim Monolith, like. It, in, like, the control dice, it lets you explode so quick. Like, turn two monolith, turn three Una or something, or worm coil or something stupid like that. But I think I'd like to be really open in my first picks, and Grim Monolith can be okay in more aggressive decks, but I think Mox Diamond just goes in anything, and it's really strong. Like, I've heard some people saying they would take Mox Diamond over, like, the original Moxin, and I don't know if I'd go that far. Like, that's... 
I I don't know if I can get behind that, but like Mox Diamond, I think is just really strong. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I I always have enjoyed a Mox Diamond more than a lot of people have. Um, just the the fixing it provides is it is so outstanding. I mean, the the cost of the land is is I, I'm happy to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like oh no, I have to pitch a. Yes, it's essentially, you know, it's another land drop. And I think it's also good in, in a few different types of decks, too. Unlike where, you know, you're not going to be playing Grim Monolith if you, if you wind up as a Boros deck, let's say, where you need lots of colored mana symbols. Like, you gladly play Mox Diamond in that deck, or a mid-range deck, or a control deck. Because having Counterspell mana up turn one, kind of nice. That's true. By Counterspell Man, I mean Counterspell Remand, you know, Condescend. Condescend for one. Yeah. And then even, like, in aggressive things, like uh, Mountain, uh, Mox Diamond, uh, Ember Hauler or something. It's like, yep. Right. Let's, and, let's and get their kids. Even just, like, you know, the, the sickest play ever. I mean, that's probably the, one of the least, under, you know, uh, not an overwhelming barrier. If you're able to do, you know... Stuff like that, and your two drop is something absurd. Or what your, I mean, what if you, I mean, what if you even just go turn one, land Mox Diamond, figure Destiny, level it up, threatening an attack on turn two with a 4 4. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot better. Do you know what I mean? Like, there, there's a lot of, so yeah, I, I'm done with Mox Diamond. I like me a Mox Diamond. That's my pick, too, I think. I can get behind that. Somebody, uh, speaking of Sensei's Divining Top, somebody tried convincing me that. Sensei's Dividing Top is the worst card in Cube. And I was like, lol, what? I mean, it's not as good as it is in Legacy. It's not, but, you know. Yeah, it's still, still really good, though. Pretty freaking good. Yeah. But, yeah, this shuffle effect that you play just makes it that much better. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, oh, man, batter skull. I mean, it's just making me think of what's going on in Legacy and whatever. It's just like Stoneforge and batter skull being Legacy playable. That's... Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Forge Mystic. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, seriously. But, yeah, that was it. And I'll, I'll post this on the blog, if assuming, I don't know, there's a there's a way to post the link. And I'll probably do that. But I'll do that after, of course, because we got, uh, we got a topic to cover. Well, no, no, <laughs> we, got, we got this to cover. We got, because uh, like, like Anthony said in the beginning, the, the thing that, because, I mean, there's stuff like on keyboard organization, which has always been kind of an interesting topic, but I think Frixie and Mana puts another, you know, just, throws a kind of a, I don't know if it throws another a wrench in it, but it just kind of makes it worth a topic, makes it a topic that, you know, it's just like, you know, it's a good time to talk about it. You know, yeah, just like, it blurs a couple lines. Yeah. Just like, like, uh, like Spellskite, for example, or like Porcelain Legionnaire, or, you know, cards like that, it's just like, what? Okay, this can, it's <laughs> cast in a blue deck, but, you know, it's in whatever... You know, it's, it's, it's an interesting situation. These in any color deck, but where do I want to put them for organizational purposes? Yeah. Where do they fit best? And, and do you do it by function? Do you do it by, uh, you know, the options of, of casting it? What do you sort it by? What color it fits best into thematically? Um, I've heard arguments that people have said that, uh, Porcelain Legionnaire should be in the red section because it's it's best in a red aggressive deck. So, you know, it, it's a good time, I think, to, to bring it up and, and do a little bit of talking about it. I think the first thing we put in the outline was something like uh, color sorting and, like, size. And, yeah, I think that's a good place to, uh, to start it up on. 
Yeah, so basically, how do you sort, you know, how do you sort your cube? What, how many cards in each section? What kind of sections are, what, what sections are there? I mean, the, I think some of the sections are, are very easily defined. We obviously have Wooberg sections. Um, we have, and, and for me personally, you know, I have a land section, I have an artifact section, I also have, you know, a multicolored section, and we'll, we'll get into more about multicolor later because there's a few interesting points about that. But even with, even within those, some of the lines are a little blurred on, on where you want to, on where you want to put cards. And, and I guess the question is, is how balanced and, and the definition of balance, does it, does your cube need to be? I mean, does yeah. it need to be exactly the same number of cards in every section? Does it need to be the exact same number of colored cards, but not other cards? What, what do you do to, to make it, have it make sense to you? Yeah. And I think, I think that's an interesting thing to, uh, I think it's a very interesting aspect of it, because, like, I definitely believe a good cube is a balanced cube, and it's, it's like every, like, I think, yeah, just having overall balance in a cube is really important, but the question is, like, how much does, like, say if Porcelain Legionnaire is played more in, like, a red deck or something, like, how, uh, what kind of role does that play in terms of overall balance or something? Like I said, if it's... You know how balanced is it really? Well, kind right, of thing? What, what? How big of a how big of a deal is it if if there's one card? Let's say you decide that you're going to put cards into where they function the best, regardless of their casting cost. So let's say you put you think that personal legionnaire is best as a red card, so you put it there. Let's say you think. Spellskite functions best as, I, I don't know how you can think of it as anything but blue, but... White or something. No, no or, or, you know, it functions best in any color. So we're going to put that in the artifact section. You know what I mean? I, how can you tell if things aren't right? How, how can you tell if, you, if you're doing it wrong? I guess yeah. is, is is the question. Um, and, you know, for me, that it's just a matter, I think, of just playing it. And, and, and playing it a ton there and seeing what and seeing what happens. I mean, if you're if you're realizing that, hey, you know, there's white cards are never drafted, then you you know you need to do something in your white section. Or hey, this card is always played in this type of deck, so maybe it needs to be moved to that section so it doesn't unbalance a color. You know, and, and I don't think there's necessarily a right or wrong answer other than you need to play with your cube a bunch and figure out and, and, and take notice of what people are drafting and where, what cards belong where in order to maximize your gaming experience. I mean, it sounds like a cop-out answer, but I, I really do think it's the best answer. I mean, yeah. as, as, as only half-joking, I feel like if blue isn't the best color in your cube, you're probably doing something wrong because blue is the best color in Magic and just by nature of things it's going to be the best color in your cube to draft but it suffers from the problem that everybody knows it's the best color in magic so therefore it's it may be diluted i don't know if you've ever had a draft who's mine where you're the only blue drafter yeah <laughs> you just have like the nut deck and you can't possibly lose to anything except for mana screw and even not then sometimes like or sometimes you like you get past the nut blue and you're just like 
is there somebody in blue? You're just kind of like wondering, what's like, what, what's going on here? Is, am, I the, am I seriously the only one in blue? And then the funnier thing is like, when that happens, and then there's somebody in blue. It's like, well, I passed, I passed you, uh, Jace, because there was an ancestral or a man to drain or something. It's like, oh. Yeah. Or, or even better, when someone just takes the second best blue card out of every pack and passes you the best one because their evaluations are off. Yeah. <laughs> behind you for two packs on my deck, way better than yours. Like, you took, you know, you took Condescend and passed me to Jace. You know, yeah. You took Serendid the free and passed me to Malopu. Or, you, you know, I don't know, but while, while trying to be the control deck or whatever. You know. Yeah. But I think, like, uh, in terms of like, the card balance issue, like, I definitely, you know, put, like, the cards in each, uh, you know, like, you know, just, like, in different sections. I think something that's very interesting to note also is, like, you said with that playing the card, I think something like Porcelain Legionnaire, I don't know, like, I have it in my white section, but I think, like, that, for example, is something where you might need to play the card out to see where it's played the most. Because, like, like let's say it's played most in red, like, what is that, like, you're just kind of playing with that and just stuff like that kind of thing. Well, and Porcelain Legionnaire, I think, is a is a special example because, to me, any single color aggressive deck wants that card. Yeah. So I almost feel like, and unfortunately I haven't picked up a foil copy yet, so it hasn't made it into my cube yet. Hint, hint, people. <laughs> Porcelain Legionnaire. Um, I have, like, rares, but I can't find the stupid commons on commons. Um... I feel like that is a card that I could almost, you could convince me on some level that it's every color but blue. Yeah. Um, so maybe, you know, if you're finding that that card is, even though it's it's got white in the mana cost, and it's classified in, you know, you can easily classify it white because technically it's better in white because you have two ways to cast it instead of one way to cast it. Especially if, you know, your opponent has bounce effects or if, you know, you're not going to be using that third mana for anything and you'd rather just cast it for three mana because it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. But I could be convinced that maybe that card, since it does fit in so many colors, maybe that card deserves to go in the artifact section instead because it's really more like a four-color card, even though it's not, you know, like a Nephilim where it's all four colors at the same time. Yeah. Like, that's a card that could be any of the any of those other four colors without too much reservation. But it's just a matter of, of how it's playing out for you guys and, and the opportunity cost of having to cut a white card in order to get in your white section. For example, I think if you're, let's say, your white aggressive decks or your aggressive decks in general are struggling, I think it might be a, a nice balance thing to put it in your artifact section so that way you're adding another aggressive card to your cube that's usable by all colors instead of maybe taking the spot of a white aggressive card. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. There's another thing also I just I want to bring up on this also is, like, whether you consider, and I think it's something, like, not from the designer point, but more from the people who are drafting it kind of point of view, it's, like, wherever you put Porcelain Legionnaire, it's, like, like say you decide to put it in Artifacts or a different section or if you put it in white, like, from the uh, people who are drafting it point of view, to them at least, that's, it's not going to, you know, they're just going to be like, oh, here's a, here's a Mr. Toilet. Am I going to draft it or whatever? And I think that's something... Mr. Toilet, hold on. You've never... Is this kind of like a... Uh, 
this is new to me. Now, now this isn't rocket surgery, but no. the, the Mr. I have not heard Mr. Toilet yet. I mean, I understand porcelain, yeah, but I have not heard that moniker yet. <laughs> Mr. Toilet. Yep, it's Mr. Toilet. <laughs> And by, the, by the way, I totally linked on Urban Dictionary the rockets in the last episode. I know, I'm still not buying it. Just because someone, uh, some other blank film is <laughs> insulting now here. Um, I don't want to get filtered here. Uh, just because somebody else, some other rocket surgeon decided to put it on there, doesn't make you right. Okay. Yeah. Hey, Mr. Toilet, like... A, uh, a, a fondue That's A fondue Yeah, it's a jacuzzi filled with fondue. Huh. A fondue Wow, that seems like it would be hard to do. Might be delicious, however. That might be. Might also be very, very warm. Yeah, and hard to clean up, I guess. <laughs> hey, it's cheese fondue Anyway... Yeah, but yeah, just like uh, all back to uh, Mr. Toilet. Sorry, yeah, back to Mr. Toilet. Yeah, but it's kind of like one of those things where, you know, let's say a random person who's drafting your cube is like sees a porcelain legionnaire and sees Mr. Toilet, and they're like, "Well, where am I going to take this?" It's kind of like, uh, like I don't know. It just depends. Like, I mean, it's just not to get uh, ah, there me, there's me snapping again. Like, uh, don't lose sight of what your drafters see, if that makes sense. Like, it seems like it can be very easy to just go, well, they'll realize that it's an artifact, or they'll realize that it's a white card, or they'll realize so-and-so, because the people who are drafting your cube, especially if it's just some somebody who's never drafted your cube, and they're just like, well, here's this. I'll draft it. They're not thinking in terms of, like, the where does this fit in the grand scheme of things. It's just like, uh, does this go in my deck? I don't know if that point really makes much sense or how much relevance that has, but it's something to keep in mind because I think sometimes it can be it can be easy to get caught up in those kinds of like you know uh, higher level kind of things if that makes sense. So, what do you think then about uh, you said about classifying it in other places? Are, I, I'm not exactly sure unless you have open discussions. How much do they know about organization? Like, I can't imagine any of my, exception of one or two people who have ever played my cube, would, like, look at the card and ask me, hey, what section is this in? What are you considering this as? You know what I mean? I, I can't imagine my, any of the drafters doing that. Yeah. They want to play the card. But well, if they're constantly seeing it as a white card, maybe it needs to be in white. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of what impact that could have. Well, I think it's kind of one of those things that's kind of similar to the point you were making earlier about, like, uh, how, what does it matter if a few cards are askew? Like, can they, can somebody really tell from that point of view? Like, from that kind of, like, insert Usman tangent number, number two, take a shot, everybody who's playing along. It's kind of like in, uh, in economics, there's two kind of branches. There's kind of like microeconomics and macroeconomics. And microeconomics kind of, I'm just going to not go too much into this. I'm not going to bore everybody too much. But micro is kind of like on the individual transaction level. It's kind of like when a person wants to decide between buying a uh, bread of loaf of bread or something, and macro would be like countries, like their economics, like how much bread gets sold in this country or the entire bread market in the North America or the entire world kind of thing. And 
Like, on the micro level, you know, just to kind of go micro-macro, like, on the micro level, like, like I don't know. I, th- I think if somebody really wants to understand the macro of somebody's cube, but, I mean, I don't know anybody who would really, to be honest, care, unless there's something on the line or something. You know, somebody's going to be like, well, do you consider Porcelain Legionnaire to be an art? Like, where do you put Porcelain Legionnaire in your cube? Yeah, well, and then, it's really interesting to them because I mean, some people like that aspect of of things. Like they they want to talk about organization, they want to talk about construction because well, they've really enjoyed playing your cube and they want to make a cube of their own someday. So they they kind of want to learn your thought process. And I think those are important things to talk about with your play group. But I think for the most part, people just want to play. Yeah, like, and I agree. You're the one in I charge th- of the cube, you're the one who gets to put crap where you want it to go. Yes, that was my self filter. So <laughs> you get to, uh, you know, you get to decide and, and let the people, you know, show you how you did, you know, what they think about it. Because I'm not sure if they're, if they're going to be able to tell. Yeah. From one section or another. But, yeah, it, it quite makes sense, though, with the talking about the micro and the macro. Because I, I, it's definitely, and it's definitely uh, important, you know, it's definitely uh, germane is the word I'm looking forward to this conversation. Is that one of the Jacksons, the Jackson 5? Yes, it is. <laughs> That's actually his uh, retarded cousin who spells his name wrong, though. <laughs> okay. And by wow. retarded, I mean very nice. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. But I think it's, like, like it's definitely an important concept to, to think about, and that's, you know, that's why we're doing this episode. But it's also important to keep in mind just, yeah, just keep in mind the micro and the macro. Just, like, yeah, I, I think I already said that. I got nothing. <laughs> and for me, I, I feel like the cube balance, I don't think, I, I think it's nice to have balance in colors and, and all that kind of stuff. But for me, and I've gotten a, a, a lot of a very positive comments from people who have played my cube, is that I think it's more important for the archetypes to be balanced than it is necessarily for the colors to be exactly balanced. Um, just, you know, some people, the, the problem is, is that, some people will never play islands because islands are their nemesis. Some people will never attack for two on turn two because that's not how they play magic. Um, so they limit themselves. People have these self-filters that they put on and, and eliminate themselves from playing colors or whatever. Um, but for me, I, I feel like the balance issue should be more about are we having aggressive decks? Are we having mid-range decks? Are we having uh, control decks? You know, that's like the first level of balance for me. And then the second level of balance for me is, are people drafting Boros Agar, are people drafting Reanimator, are people drafting the Blink deck, are people drafting, you know, uh, you know, an Upheaval deck, are people drafting the Artifact deck? That's like the second level, maybe not as important. We talked about that a lot in our, uh, one of our earlier podcasts about build around me cards. But I've received a lot of very positive uh, feedback on mine that you can build lots of archetypes out of the cards in my cube. And I consider that to be just about one of the highest compliments, is that there, you know, you can build a variety of decks and they're all just as powerful as the next one. And for me, that's the most important part of balance. Yeah, it's just like, if somebody can draft aggro in somebody's cube and then they just like, O2 drop or whatever, like, uh, you know, if they can't do it, but the man, that's the most important part is if how how powerful they are and how they're doing kind of thing. Right, and people, you know, just like anything, people people by nature can draft mid-range decks within closer percentages. Percentages? 
of, of correct than they can, I think, aggressive decks or control decks. I think people people still have a tendency to put incorrect cards in their uh, aggro decks and incorrect cards in their control decks. But I think uh, people who and, and I don't I don't want to make it seem like I'm saying mid range is easy because it's not necessarily that, but it's easier. It's kind of like the saxophone compared to like the any other wind instrument. Like a flute or something. Designed to be here's my favorite. The saxophone was designed to be an easy instrument. Um, it was created and made the most recently. Um, you know, its, it's birth date was most recent, so of course it has, you know, years and years and years of research and technology and all this other stuff coming into it. And it is very, very easy. I can teach just, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I can teach just about anybody to play the saxophone okay. Wow. Isn't it like, aren't the fingerings pretty close like the clarinet or something? They, well, yeah, they are. The, the fingerings operate in the same system as clarinet. The problem with clarinet is that um, when you go over the break and you have to use the register key, the, the fingerings change. Well, that's not because it's, you know, it, it puts it up an eight, uh, up a tenth. Um, but with saxophone, literally it's the same thing, and then your left thumb key is an octave key, so it's the same notes again. Oh, wow. Yeah, that does make it easier. All your fingers down, including your right pinky, C, and lifting them up one at a time from right to left, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, middle finger on the left hand C, you can start, push that middle, push your left thumb down, start it all over again, and do the same fingerings right up. So it's designed to be an easy instrument. I can get just about, you know, I, at the middle school level, your your saxophone players will seem like they're advancing much more than anybody else because it's easy to play the saxophone okay. Now, that is, saxophone to me is the mid-range deck. It's easy to do it okay enough that it's pleasant to play, and it's pleasant you know, to interact with. Yeah, the control decks and the aggro decks, I think, are more like French horn or oboe that are much more difficult to be okay at and just have a much higher skill level involved to get to the point where you can be close to per- closer to perfection. It would take me a really long time to get a, a French horn or an oboe or bassoon or even a trombone player to a point where they're able to play things closer to 100%. Those are the aggro and the control decks. You can, you know, there's still things people are going to do wrong. There's more to do wrong, I think, than there is in mid-range. That makes I like that. Yeah. Like, uh... You know, if you haven't played instruments, it's, I guess it's kind of, it doesn't make any sense, but if you have, there are, you know, the, as much as I hate to say it, the baritone or euphonium in the brass family is, is the easiest to play of the group. The saxophone in the woodland family, easiest to play in the group. There are just certain instruments that are just easier to play. Cello is just, to me, the easiest in in the group to sound okay on. Um, just because it's, like and all of them are just kind of like middle of the road. You know, anybody can do it, you know. I had a hard time playing trumpet when I was growing up because my facial structure is a bit on the large side. People have trouble playing tuba because their facial structure is a little on the on the small side. You know what I mean? It's, it's all these things, but those instruments a lot of times go right down the middle and can touch the most amount of people people's abilities to play them. And that's the way I feel mid-range decks are in cube. It kind of feels that way too about a uh, like classical guitar versus electric. Like if you if you know like you know how guitar has like the struts and whatever, you know like on the top side where you put your fingers on the struts and whatever. Fret, so, my bad, yeah. And, uh, like, on the classical... Talk about the lines on the neck? Yeah. Yeah, those are the frets. 
Okay. But it seems like on the classical guitar, like, if you if you miss, like, you want your finger, like, really close to the, to the, to the frets, and it just seems like if it's off by, like, a little bit, it'll sound like a beehive, it's buzzing so much. I know, like, the electric, it seems so much more forgiving, and that's what kind of feels like, too. Yeah, it's like, it's like stand-up bass versus electric bass. Electric bass, you have frets, and you know where to put your fingers. Stand-up bass, good luck. You have yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, more people are able to do it because you can, you know, very easy to watch. You know, very easy to watch your fingers and say, oh, it needs to be here. And then there it is. And then it works. And then, you know, instead of having to constantly listen, which is the thing that makes trombone hard, that, you know, yeah, we can tell, I can tell you where the positions are approximately, but to know where they are exactly, you're going to have to listen. It's a much more active thing instead of push your first two fingers down on your left hand, okay, and now push the thumb key, okay. Hey, I played a high A. Yeah, there you go. So... Once again, on top of that, though, the same thing with mid-range. Saxophone is very easy to play okay. It is. It's very difficult to play excellent, to have a, a, a nice sound and be enjoyable to listen to. So. Yeah. And to, be honest, uh, to be honest, honestly, I think aggro decks are harder to build, or at least I think they require more discipline than control decks. Like, I told you, I think I've probably talked about on the podcast, the guy who uh, built a four-creature control deck. One of which was Sarcomancy, because he's an idiot. But aside from that, his deck was fine. And that's the, that's the funny thing. It's like a blue-black control deck, and, you know, his, I think his, both his constructed and his limited ratings were like 1400. And it was just like, still, still didn't make a terrible control deck. Aside from Sarcomancy, which is just idiocy, but the guy was an idiot, to put it very nicely. <laughs> well, hopefully you taught him and now he's better. Not, I don't know, not really. He kind of, uh, I guess it could be another about it and butthurt about it. Oh, I don't care about that. He's just like, he ended up getting banned from the store because he made a racial slur to somebody and didn't apologize. So the guy playing black creatures made a racial slur. Yeah. <laughs> what is this world coming to? What a hypocrite. Yeah, no. Why wasn't he drafting white the whole time then? Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Who would have drafted white, blue? I can't, can't, can we had, a, we had a we had a gamer, typical gamer type, you know, like six you know six one three bills plus always wore a trench coat, always said really awkward things, and uh, I, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Um, oh, it was uh, execute, and whenever he would cast execute, he would point the card at the white creature and say affirmative action. What? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Anyway. That's... that's on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. <laughs> Speaking of that. But, yeah, I, I just think the archetype, the archetypical thing is more important balance-wise. Now, that doesn't mean I don't balance my cue balance. I definitely, for me, I feel like the definition of a cube should be Wooberg should all be the same size. Yeah, for sure. Um, I also have artifacts the same size because the artifacts are essentially five-color spells, so I don't mind having the same amount of those. Um, and for me, I actually do lands. I basically include however many lands I think are good enough. As it turns out, that's right around the same number right now in my cube. As well. oh. It's maybe one or two differently, but for a while there, I was riding 
higher land count than any other section. Hmm. Not not super significantly, but definitely bigger. It was like five or ten higher or something. Right. Okay. But now they're now they're all about the same. What huh. you do with yours? Uh, I have mine kind of like in the uh, like Wooburg is all the same, and then like there's we'll talk about it later, but just like the guild thing, the guild system where you kind of essentially group mana producers and uh, cards that perform like. Like, uh, Vidalcan Shackles, I put it in blue because it performs best in blue kind of thing. But also stuff like, uh, Fairy Conclave in blue because it's, uh, you know, for blue decks kind of thing. And then, like, a colorless section for essentially five color lands and artifacts and, and land. Uh, yeah, five color lands and then artifacts essentially. You know, non-color aligned artifacts and then the guild and then, yeah, that's pretty much it. So what about your artifact, I mean, as far as numbers-wise, is your artifact section the same size as your colored sections? I believe, last I checked, I haven't checked in a while, but I think my uh, section, individual section, my Wooburg is at 61 each, and I think my artifacts, yeah, my artifacts are at 60, or the colorless section's at 60, and uh, multicolor is at 85. Yeah, we'll we'll deal with the multicolor stuff here in a in a because yeah. I, I think it deserves its own its own discussion. So, but is your let me ask you this: Is your intent for the artifact slash colorless section to be the same as your Wooburg sections? Not really. No, it just or is it like how I do with my lands that however many I feel are good enough are in there? Yeah, I think that's that's about what I did. It was kind of like I ended up changing from more of a traditional kind of system to a, uh, you know, more, uh, that guild thing. And then it just ended up being what it was. And I was like, oh, okay. It's the same as... If you're doing that guild system, I guess that would skew things uh, a bit. What, well, because, like, if you're, because if you're using the guild system, and, and I promise, guys, if you don't know what this is, we'll be getting to it in just a second. Uh, because if you, for example, have the mirror signet in your blue-black section, you no longer count it as an artifact in the artifact section. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, it's just as a blue-black card. So there could, so theoretically there could be, or there probably is, is are more artifact cards in your cube than there are Wooburg cards. Probably, yeah, I could. Because if you have 61 in Wooburg and 60 in artifact that are non-guild inclusive, then I imagine all the, the any ones in guild would push it over the top then. Well, it also counts the lands, and there's like ten, ten of the lands in there, and then there's like yeah, additional. So, the, so the same issue would exist with your land section. How many lands do you have? Non-guild lands do you run if your other sections are sixty-one? Uh, I think right now in the guild there's ten. Like there's like non-guild lands. Uh, non-guild section lands. I think there's like the some of the world wake man lands. Like, uh, the blue World Wake Manlands, uh... I, I think you're misunderstanding my question. How many... So you have, you have your lands that you include in your guild section. Yeah. Now, how many lands, what is your land count of other lands? The ones that are not included in those guild sections. Oh, uh, ten in the, uh, whatever the colorless section, and then I think one, there's very conclave, Treetop Village, Barbarian Ring, and uh, Volrath Stronghold. Right, but there has to but there has to be a ton more, right? Like Strip Strip Mine, Wasteland, Rashad and Port. 
Oh, yeah, those are, yeah, there's ten in the colorless, yeah. I mean, fetches, I imagine, are going to be, I mean, do you include your fetches in your guild system? Yeah, in the same, like, the polluted delta is in, like, uh, okay. Samir. But, like, yeah, so, there's... Like, how many, like, okay, it's cool, so you have the single colored lands then not in, and then all your colorless lands not in the guild section. Do you know what the number is of how many of those lands are not in the guild sections? Uh, well, there's ten in the colorless, and then there's, like, uh, yeah, treetop. Okay. Fairy so, like, it's like, 14, 15, then? Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so, okay, I was just misunderstanding what you were saying, then, so I'm an idiot. That's cool. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know what the hell I'm saying most of the time. <laughs> I, I phrase stuff very weirdly. Okay, so, so basically, you don't necessarily have a land section, per se, because it's only, like, 15-1. It just happens to be folded into the guild system that you use. Yeah, there's no, uh, I mean, I could check... On tapped out, and that's another thing. Nice thing about tapped out, I'm, I'm not paid by them or anything. <laughs> this is gushing, but like a nice thing is a section off each section, like you know, uh, artifacts, instance, whatever, and lands and whatever. But actually, uh, that site is running slowly. Okay, total. Total. I, I didn't realize you ran like fetches and all that stuff inside of the guild as well. Mm-hmm. Looks like I have 51 lands. Okay, like 51 total? Yeah. Okay. All right. There we go. Cool. Well, you know, if we talked enough about this guild stuff, let's, let's just go ahead and, and jump to that and talk about that. So the multicolored sections, guys and girls, and cubes out there can be handled a number of different ways um, as far as what cards you're including in them, how to organize them, how many you want. You know, there are schools of thought where people say, I think gold cards dilute the draft because people are always going as last pick. There are people who say there's a reason, you know, these cards are more powerful because they are harder to cast. That's the whole point of them being two different colors, is that they're more powerful than their monocolored counterparts. Uh, and in order to organize those and balance those, you know, there's a couple of different ways to do it. One that's had a, I don't want to say renaissance, but it's probably been birthed in the past year or two, I, I'm not exactly sure when it came around, is what is what has been known as the guild uh, I, I don't, guild classification, guild system. And what this is based off of is it's based off of the Ravnica block guilds. So each two-color combination has its own guild. So red, white, Boros, blue, white, Azorius, so forth and so on. And what people do, and Usman's going to tell you more about it because he's a, a big proponent of it, is... You group cards according to their function within that guild. Do I have it pretty much right on so far? Yeah. Okay. Well, keep going. Talk a little bit more about what kind of cards you're putting in there and, and basically how it works. Okay. Uh, like, and that's pretty much it. Like, all the cards that are color aligned, like, go according to a certain, uh, guild, you know, color pair, are grouped according to. And I think, like, Demir, for example, Blue Black, like, for example, I'm running uh, Psychotog, uh, Una, Queen of the Fae, Shadow Mage Unfiltrator, Doomir Signet, uh, Creeping Tarpit, and then the three, uh, pretty much the Holy Trinity of Lands. I've run in pretty much everything. The original Duel, uh, Underground Sea, the Ravnica Duel, Watery Grave, and the Fetchland, uh, Polluted Delta. And, the like, those three are essentially just in all of the pairs, but the other five, or however many the extras are, just kind of by whatever. Or in, to contrast that, for example, you know, it's essentially to have each color pair 
uh, go according to what it does best. And, like, say, uh, something like Green Black has Spirit Monger, Maelstrom Pulse, Future Leech, Putrefy, Pernicious Deed, and then the, uh, the Land Trio, because its best cards are in multicolor kind of thing. Okay, and that's kind so, of... and I think this... Correct me if I'm wrong, sorry to interrupt. No worries. But I think this came into play because of... Or at least it coincided with it in my mind of talking about the removal of signets from cubes because some people felt like, for example, the Boros signet is just really crappy in traditional Boros decks and is only good for control decks, mid-range decks that are trying to splash other colors, and they didn't want to have that card be a part of the identity of red-white. Yeah, it just felt like, like. Yeah, like Boros Signet, for example, like would uh, the slot that it uh, holds would be much better uh, would be much better used for in the archetype with something else, like say the red white uh, filter land or the pain land or you know another multicolor card. And something that maybe you don't run the cycle of that is better for the archetype. Now, for me, like, if I were to do that, I think I would prefer to have the red-white pain land in there. Yeah, that's that's what I'm running. The traditional Boros deck wants, ac- wants access to as many colored mana symbols of the two types as possible. Yeah, especially. And that's why I'm running that one in white-red, is because, yeah, you just want... You want to hit your ban really quick, and, like, damage is like, pff, I don't care about taking damage. It's like, turn one, Goblin Guide, turn two, Knight, turn three... Mirrored Crusader or something like that, some kind of start like that, where if you're taking damage, that's fine. It's like, I don't care. I'm just going to win. <laughs> or like that kind of that kind of thing. So basically, you, you're able, through the guild system, you're able to... It's basically a way to justify not including complete cycles based on their identity within the guild. Yeah, that sounds right. And I think that the removal of signets, like like you said earlier, I think that had a good part in it because it allowed people to run the signets in the pairs that they do well in. Like, do, like the, essentially the blue ones. The blue ones are the ones I'm running, like uh, Azorius, Demir, Simic, and Izzet. And the others just aren't really that. Like, black-white, arguably, I could put in, but I just, you know, I'm running the filter instead. And the others, I think, are kind of iffy, but I think the blue signets for sure are the best signets. You know, they they get the most main play. But I think also it's... The black-white filter seems like the most insane in the filter land because unlike the Boros Guild where you have, you want red and white mana on turn one, it seems like you want to have double black and double white on turn three in the, in the black-white, in a black-white deck a lot. Yeah, and or even like, because there's so many double white and double black. Uh, you know, it's like skin rendered Wrath of God, a, a Johnny Goldmane, Liliana Vest. You know, those kind of yeah. things where you want to make sure you hit. Vampire Nighthawk. Yeah, and like so forth and so on. It isn't it isn't necessarily just, uh, a deck design mistake when that happens. Like, some, I mean, someone might be like, "Oh, well, you built it wrong. You're an idiot." It's like, well, it's not necessarily the case. I mean, it's just. Those are, it's, it's a thing you want to watch out for, but, like, I think the most powerful black-white decks have those kind of awkward mana situations, and it's just about mitigating those. 
those uh mana things. <laughs> mana things. Mana uh, things. <laughs> so so how many uh for you then? How many do you run in each guild again? I'm sorry, you probably said it earlier, but I, I think it's fair to say. Eight. Eight in each guild, I'm running the uh, one of each of the uh, five color, or the three color cards, like uh, Steel Wind, uh, Broodmate Dragon, Rafik the Many, uh, Bola's Planeswalker, and uh, Wild Macau. So, so one of each shot. Yeah. Because I think a lot of the original cubes, and, like, I think a lot of the ideas first kind of happened, like, all the original cubes had all the sections at the same size, you know, it's just like, because I remember when Erwin was talking about his cube on the Magic Show, we kind of built it based on, like, the original one, and it was just like, each section had the same size, and it was like, Wooberg, everything else was the same, and then five, a ten edition, or five, and then the tricolor, uh, you know, the tricolor cards, including, like, the wedge cards, like, Intet and whatever, and just... Yeah, and I was like, I am not including these wedge cards. A lot of them are just horrible. Like, if you're running the blue, red, blue, red, green wedge card, it's like you essentially have Intet versus Guided Passage, and I'm never happy to run. Yeah, I'm never happy to run either of those. Like, I remember doing an Earth of the Dragon, right? That's true, but that's kind of like one of those things where just like the five color decks just mize that. Like, fourteenth pick is like, well, nobody wants this. If my deck needs a win con, yeah, it looks like I'll just snap this up and get on the. Some of them are good though. Like I, I don't, I, I don't no. think you need to include one of each for that strict sense of balance. But I mean, I like a lightning angel. I, yeah. I, I like, you know, mid range decks like themselves the Doran to siege power. You know. Like I think the lightning angel is probably the best out of them. Doran, I'm kind of iffy on. Like. He's you're not. incredibly unimpressive sometimes, except for when you get to play him on turn two or three. Then he's just a ridiculous beating. Yeah, then it's just like, take five, take five, take five, you're dead. It's like, oh, okay. Except for if you play Wall of Roots. Oh, that's true. Then, then they trade. Attack me once with Doran the Seed Tower when I had a Wall of Roots in play. <laughs> wow. Oh. <laughs> yep. Wow. He may have asked me if I wanted to make a green mana. I said, no, thank you. What? What? No, thank you. What? I don't want to not kill your Doran. Thanks. Well, well, maybe you had a giant growth or something. I don't know. Maybe he's like, do you have a giant growth? Like, I don't even, don't even know what would be remotely good there. Yeah. I don't, yeah. So, but, so I, I feel like it's okay to include some of the other ones. Now, do you run any five-color cards? No, I think the only one I would maybe consider is, I don't know, actually, maybe Mails from Nexus? What, when, where, why, brah? Oh, yes! Yes, that card, I like that card. Cards are way sweet. Yeah, I totally wish that, I totally wish that Blast in the Past was... Yeah. <laughs> and you get to do retarded things with it, like imprinted on Chromox or imprinted on Isochron Scepter. Oh, Wow. Never thought about Chromox thing, but I like that. Yeah, like make your own Mox Diamond. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. I like it. I mean, it's as corner casey as you can get, but you know, sometimes you just need lots of mana. Yeah, I was about to say, sometimes you need the rainbow. Make them taste the rainbow. Exactly. Sometimes you need some Skittles, good. Yeah. <laughs> all good. Now, so, so you use the guild system and do all those, so you don't really care. You just do uh, eight of each guild. Plus one of each shard, and then that's it. Uh, and then 
Well, there's a, like a colorless section for like artifacts and like artifacts, uh, five color lands like City of Brass, etc., and like colorless lands kind of thing. But I mean, it's not like the eight of seven stone. Like if I, I, I mean, considering trimming one from the guild thing, but I don't know. I think like taking something out of black green might just kill me. It's like, am I gonna cut Future Leech or Putrefy or Spirit Monger? That's well, right. It seems to be at that point where it's it's that nice balance of colors. Now, I'm sure if you've made your cube larger, that would those sections would increase. Yeah, for sure. And is, it, is it like 450 right now? Yeah, 450. Okay. And by the way, speaking of which, I've been trying that uh, what's that guy that that guy that looks like Spock, Tress or whatever, something of Tress or whatever. Uh, the mag feeding magpie guy. Yeah, the Magpie Lord. I like that. that guy's been good in my cube. Like I tried it as like my fourth uh, Simic card, and I've been very happy with it. So, like, how many cards have you been drawing on average with them? Because obviously, you just play them like pre-combat and then bash and draw some cards, right? Yeah, I'd say I don't know, maybe a couple, like two or three. I mean, seems seems good enough, right? Yeah. If you're consistently drawing multiple cards with them, I mean, except for I guess against red decks, I guess you might not. But yeah, then it's like. <laughs> They're like, hey, nice pair. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, if you, it's especially good in, like, the, if you, like, green temper. And, like, in those decks where, you know, you essentially, you you have, you know, the blue-green guys that attack for, maybe not two, but attack for early beats. And it's like, turn one thing, turn two thing, turn three, play that guy, bash. Then that's really nice. I mean, I mean, it seems nuts, too. I mean, obviously, once again, this is a, a best-case scenario type thing. But I, I it, it's intoxicating to think of attacking with your Trigun Predator and, like, plus twoing on CA. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Oh, and I'll draw a card, thanks. Yeah. That seems insane to me. It also seems like it's going to be a really nice splash. More skill collateral, he gets bigger. Oh, that's true. After combat. Oh, my God. Yeah, he gets even more huge. I also think he's probably going to... He seems like he's also going to be a nice splash, like in the red-green, you know, red-green splash blue or something. So I haven't had splash for a, uh, a side blast and, and that guy to try to get a little bit of extra reach by drawing some cards. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, maybe him, like a Time Walker, an Ancestral, or... Oh, yeah, or those. Factor Fiction, yeah, or something like something like that. Yeah, whatever. I mean, yeah. Sure. sure. I, I, but, uh, I always default to not thinking of those kinds of cards. <laughs> I'm like, or you could play a char, a blue char, and you're like, or you can play ancestral idiot. Oh <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going like that. But. Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely, definitely a card I've been happy with so far. And that was kind of like the thing when yesterday, or I guess today on Wednesday, when they were like, "Hey, lightning greaves are in all all of the EDH decks, or like uh, soul ring is in all the EDH decks, and lightning greaves is in there." I'm like, but. New cards. I want to try any cards out. Right. I don't care about Soul Ring. That million Soul Ring. I don't need no Soul Ring. Yeah. I mean, then again, I'm also old and playing forever, so. I, I, I used to have a Soul Ring and then I sold it. I have a, uh, I think like a revised Soul Ring, an unlimited Soul Ring, the old Judge promo Soul Ring. Which is oh, jeez. Which is the, uh, you know, the nice uh, Ring of Fire. The Martinian one? Yeah. Nice. Uh, that's a nice one. Had a From the Vault. I don't even like the From the Vault art very much. The Eden one looks so much cooler to me. Yeah. But, okay, so 
So that's how you do yours. I the way I do mine, just so you guys know, is I actually just do my colors, my uh, multicolored sections straight up. So if a card has green and red in the casting cost, then the green and red section. Um, I'm more about playing just playing cycles of things. Um, the guild system for me, while I do see that it's, I mean obviously it's very useful. I mean, it, and it makes a lot of sense. It gives you, like I said, an easy way to break cycles. Um, for me, I kind of like having cycles of cards in there. I like having ten signets. I like having ten bounce lands. Ten this, ten that. Five of these, five of these. You know what I mean? Like, hey, five Worldwake Man lands, five of these, five of these. I, I kind of like doing that. I feel to me that's a, you know, and, and we'll talk more about being a little more of a purist later, but I, I kind of just like having full sets of things. Now, um, the only one I, I broke a while ago was the Time Spiral land cycle. The oh, like the... Ones. Mm-hmm. Because, well, even though they were a cycle, they're really not. They're obviously all part of different cycles. So I felt like it was okay for me to take them all out except for uh, the green-white one. Yeah. I was okay once other things came out. You know, once Creeping Car Pit came out, it was like, who needs a river of tears? It's like, screw this card. You know, I wish there were... We'd even done it before then, but... Yeah. <laughs> I wish there was, like, a, a full cycle of the Horizon Canopy Lands. Yeah, that would be awesome. I can imagine, like, one of them, like, you know, shocking somebody or, you know, like the, the I don't know, the red green one doing, I, I don't know, I, I can't even imagine what the other ones do. Maybe we'll see them someday. Oh, I was just thinking if they all sacked a draw card. Oh, I mean, I guess that could be it, too. That would be pretty sweet. But I like that, like, like the other one being, like, a super barbarian ring kind of thing. Except for, they, I guess they would have to do, I, I think you're right in that the drawing card thing is probably what they all do. But I feel like green-white is the color combination least likely to draw a card. Yeah. Have to draw a card. Maybe the black-white one is the, or the, the blue black blue is least likely to giant growth. So maybe it's a giant growth. Hmm. The black-green one is the least likely to be a shock. So it's a shock. I don't know. I would like I it. I don't, don't want to speculate on, on future things that have no impact on what we're talking about now. <laughs> I'm sure you're right with the draw card thing. But anyway, going back to cycles, I like kind of having all the cycles in there. So, you know, my pen signets are part of my artifact section. My, I, I like having a land section. So, you know, all my duels, all my shocks, all my fetches are all just part of the land section. You know, and, and it, it makes it easier for me to look at it that way. Um, now... As far as the other, uh, the multicolor cards, I do six per section. I, I had it at five for a really, really long time, and then there were just way too many of the color pairs that really wanted a six card to me. Um, like uh, some that are stronger than others, like green, white. I mean, I could probably run eight of them. Yeah, I was about to say there's so many of those. Now, but I felt like with five, I was leaving, I was leaving too many awesome ones that I wanted to play without. And at six, there's a couple of fringe ones that I don't necessarily like a whole lot, but I'm hoping we'll get some more action in the future. Is Spot, do you think, going to be one of them? Yeah. Like, I mean, that could very easily replace, you know, I have Snake Form um, as my last blue-green card right now. And I'm sure yeah. this guy is way more powerful than Snake Form. I mean, I like Snake Form because there's not a whole lot of, uh, there's not a whole lot of tricks, combat tricks in the cube. 
it's all just removal. You know what I mean? There's there's very few combat tricks like pump spells. Yeah, like, I'll attack with my coca show. Right. Like, Exactly, and, and that's why I do like that because it can get you out of those kinds of situations. Because you're like, this Kakusho is going to kill me this turn, you know, or in two turns. And as it turns out, you just actually have an out to it because one, you're not getting hit for five. Two, you're not getting hit for five when it dies here. Yeah. <laughs> so you're not getting ten or whatever. So. While I do like that card, I am sure this other guy is just going to be much more powerful, especially if he's drawing you on average two to three cards before he dies. And it would be a testing type thing. And it's also going to be a are they going to print it and foil thing for me or not, too. I'll yeah, just get, just get an autograph. I, I mean, I guess. Uh, <laughs> awesome to alter it for me. Well, I mean, you're running, like, pre-foil cards, right? Like, random weatherlight card or something. Yeah, I mean, there are cards that are definitely non-foil in there, just because they've never been available. But, you know, yeah, I guess you find ways to do it. I just feel like it would be a shame for them to print those cards for a format where foiling is so important to people and not print them in foil at some point. Yeah. Like, I could... I don't know. I, I really want... I think it's funny. I, I almost never refer to it as its real name. I usually call it, like, Magpie Lord or Spock. Never. <laughs> magpie guy. Yeah, magpie guy. Yeah. Uh, uh, Norbert Lord. Yeah. Like, as soon as it happened, I'm just like, man, this, they should have had, like, a reference to Norbert. Like, and he, he almost was going to go to Indy, and if he did, I was like, I'm making a proxy and you're signing it. He's like, I knew it. I'm like, okay. <laughs> uh, well. I, I do them straight up. I do include one card of each guild. Um... Well, not guild, uh, shard. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one card to be shard. I do play whatever uh, wedge cards I feel feel are good enough. So I play, you know, lightning angel and uh, lightning angel. Um, Dorn the Explorer. Power. Um, and I also run a couple of other cards that could technically fit in those. But you know what? I like them, so I'm not limiting myself. I feel like the guild system can kind of gives you ways to exclude cards from your cube where I kind of want to find ways to include cards in my queue. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want, you know, the guild system I feel like is, is, a, is a rational, completely rational way to find ways to eliminate cards from your queue where I, I'm kind of like the, you know, the United States of old. Like, hey, send us, send us your awesome cards that don't fit into any other classifications. Because I also uh, run Hit Run as well as Crime Punishment. Oh, nice. Um... Both of those cards have really proven uh, proven themselves. Granted, you're hitting more than you're running. Um, you know, almost but still. Um, you're punishing usually, I think, more than you're criming, but not as much. The difference isn't as high. But those cards, technically, one would be Doran and one would be... Uh, Jund. Right. Yeah. But I still want to run Doran and Broodmate Dragon. So I just throw them in there. And then, of course, I wanted to run the one five-color card, which is uh, who, what, when, where, why. Yeah. So it's awesome, 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 and mediocre. <laughs> I don't remember which one is the mediocre one. Honestly, I don't remember. It's like the, the one that gains X-Life. What? Maybe it's what? Who, what? It's either who or what. I think who is maybe the creature. I don't know. We don't have the card in front of me, and I refuse to look at it. So... 
Oh, I was about to say, I'm just looking it up right now. It's one of the top left corner ones. It's one of the half-halves. The game life? It's one of the eight cards. Yeah. Yeah, who is the one that target player gains next life? It's an instant, which is at least useful. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Burn you out. I'm alive. Still alive. Or you can get <laughs> counter. Well, it's, it's only a creature spell. Yeah. You counter the creatures before they burn you out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can't see you still having that card in play at that point. Yeah. <laughs> you could draw it beforehand. But I mean, you're right. But all the card, but all the modes do something. So that's why I, I dig it. Now, for yeah. me, and and someone, let, let's talk a little bit because I think you actively do this. Um, since you don't have a land section, you just have this colorless section. Um, Human Fighter is the guy's username. He mentioned, what about where do you classify the lands that don't make mana? So things like um, Maze of It, Tabernacle at Pendril Vale. Um, what was another one you mentioned? Island of Whack Whack, maybe? Yeah, yeah, that could work, yeah. I, I mean, the only one I'm running is... Are, are obviously, I think, more important than, than Island of Whack Whack. Yeah. Um, whack Whack. Um, <laughs> where, for, so for you, those just go in your color section, right? Yeah. Okay. Now, for me, I look at the card, and I look at the type, and the type says, land. So I go, oh, those go in the land section, obviously, because they're lands, you know. Now, when you draft it, I don't consider them to be lands. I put them in the spell section. Yeah. You know, as I'm laying out my deck, and, you know, I make it a point to actually run enough mana-producing lands. But when I'm doing the cube organization, I run those as lands because, well, because they're lands. Are. <laughs> and, and for me... That's the way I do it. That's, you know, and it's, you know, once again, whatever you find that serves you well, go ahead and run with it. You know, if you're finding that you're having trouble identifying your two-color cards or you're really tired of running all the signets or, you know, whatever your reason may be, try out the guild system. Um, you know, for me, like I said, I just run them, everything straight up. I look at the card, that's what it is, so that's where it goes. <coughs> I haven't had that many problems. And by that many, I mean... 90, less than 99? <laughs> I can realize. No, that can now, and that, of course, will, will mean that the both of us are on opposite sides of going back to... Let's go ahead and, and bring it on back to the conversation about Phyrexian mana cards. So, Porcelain Legionnaire, I am looking at the card, and I'm going to put it in my white section. Because when I look at the card, and I look at the mana symbols... It says white. Yep. Putting it into white. Where are you putting it? Same. Okay. So. <laughs> what about now? For me, like same thing with Molten Steel Dragon. I, I feel like that card can go into a bunch of archetypes, but I'm putting it in red because it has red on it. Yep. And, and I think that's. Uh, what about the new Pegasus thing? Uh, I'm I'm not running it well, at all. But if I was, if you were running it. Yeah. Is that a card you want to be taking up a slot in blue, or would you rather have that be an artifact card? You know what I think I would do if I were to run it? I would probably put it in blue. Okay, sorry. sorry. Oh, yes. Yes, you have out of here, world. Feathers ruffled. I would try it in blue first, and then see what archetypes it's run in. Like, if it's being run in, like, 
essentially non-blue decks. I would probably put it in colorless or something like that. I'd probably just throw it in there. Like, for example, like Porcelain Legionnaire, I think it kind of gets at the meaning of the guild system is with, I guess it's more with, like, uh, Crystal Shard, Vidalcan Shackles and stuff like that, where you can play it as a two, like, Mr. Toilet, you can play as a two-mana three-one for Striker, but there are times when you'll want to play it as a three-mana thing, whereas in, you know, with, like, the average uh, Spine Copter deck, you'll probably just want to play it as a two-mana two-one, and despite the fact you can play it as a three-mana two-one flyer, which, you know, obviously isn't the greatest in terms of mana efficiency, like, what you know, how many blue decks are going to run it, if that makes sense? No, I completely understand, which is why I wanted to bring it up, because I feel like that that uh, Spine Softer or whatever is, as from a limited standpoint, it's a blue card. But I feel like from a cube standpoint or a constructed standpoint, I feel like that card does not want to be blue, because that's not what blue decks do. Yeah, they want it. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah, most... Yeah, most of the blue decks want to not attack for two. Right. Most of, well, here's the thing. Most blue decks don't want to pay two life. That too, yeah. To cast a two-drop two-one. I mean, unless you're, uh, you know, one of these guys who really support this blue aggressive archetype, then then I can see putting it in blue. But I, I just don't feel like if you want that card in your cube because you want another two-drop, two-power flyer, then I don't know if you can include it in your blue section. I mean, I would if I would have to put it in there because it has blue in the casting cost, and that's just what I do. But I feel like if you're if you're trying to be more of a, a, a pragmatist about it, you can't possibly put it in blue, can you? Especially yeah, and like the guild system, and you, you do all this other stuff to, to make sure that cards are put exactly, exactly where they function at their highest level. Can you really put that in blue if you don't run a blue aggressive section? Yeah, and probably not, and I think that's... I probably, well, like I said, I probably just wouldn't run it. But, yeah, I think that's something you probably figure out. Like, I think when New Phyrexia first came out, or before it was coming out, when, it, when you know, the whole Matt Neon situation and it got spoiled early kind of thing happened, and a lot of people, like, like uh, underestimated the cost of Phyrexia mana, if that makes sense. It was like, oh, I'll just pay, I'll just pay four. Eh, whatever. I'll just pay two. And granted, you know, it's like, 99% of the time, I'm going to play Mr. Toilet for two. Like, yeah. But, you know, with, like, that Pegasus, for example, is just like, well, that's a real cost. The two life is pretty huge mm-hmm. in the average blue deck. I don't know. It, it just seems like it's one of those things where you'd have to try it. I personally would try it in blue first and then just kind of be like, uh, where is this being played? And although, I don't know if the answer for me is, like, if I say, this isn't being played in blue, it's being played in, like, white, I don't know if my final result would be, I move this to colorless, or I move this out of my cube. And I don't know. Here, here's my other question. So let's say, let's say you have, you have Porcelain Legionnaire in your white section, but you notice that it's never in white decks. Do you move it? I think so. Like, I think it would be, if it's, if it's being played well... Like, if it's most of the time uh, being played in, like, say, black aggro or something, I don't know if I'd move it to black, per se, but I I wouldn't be opposed to moving it to colorless. 
I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't know. You know me. I don't really. I have a strange, strange methodology of thinking about things. Well, I'm just wondering because for me, it's all very cut and dry, and I can just say it's going here because this is where it is. This is going here because this is what it is. You know, but when you're when you're willing to blur the lines about things, how far does that go? Yeah, I guess. And where is the? Know, how much does it even matter? I guess yeah. this would be even, even a better question. But it matters for a lot to, to a lot of people. You know, if things aren't perfectly, you know, everyone talks about the cube. I mean, like one of our first things we talked about on this podcast, not this one, but I mean in general, is that some people have to have their cube size be a cubic number. Yeah. It has to be the shape of a cube. Or it has to be exactly right because everything has to be lined up. Where I don't think necessarily, where I think it's nice to do that, and you can have everything kind of line up at nice little right angles. I I think it's, like I said, it's best to make sure that the, the archetypes and all that stuff is working out. But you can still do that and be pretty close to spot on with all the numbering. Yeah. I don't know if I have much to add to that. <laughs> it's like, yep. But you mentioned earlier uh, the whole crystal shards, the Dolphin Shackles thing. Um, absolutely, I agree. You know, it's one of those things, and, I, and it's really hard for me to explain it, my view to people. Yes, but Alkin Shackles functions like a blue card because you actually just need a ton of islands to make it work correctly. You're not going to play it in a mono green deck. You're never going to play it in those decks. You know, it doesn't do anything. It's still in my artifact section because when I look at the card, when I look at the top corner, I'm like, is there any blue mana symbols there? Nope. It's an artifact, right? Yep. All right, it's an artifact. Well, Crystal Shard, I think, even though it functions best as blue, I don't think you necessarily need to play blue to get value out of it. I think that's true, but I think most of the time... Is it like, blue decks? Sure. But I, I find myself a lot of times, you know, picking up some extra dual lands over the course of a draft, and I could be completely a different color and not blue at all, but I have a couple lands that make blue because I have some fetches for them and some dual lands or whatever... And I'm able to get max value out of that card just by having, you know, a land that makes blue mana without ever being a blue deck. It's, it, although, I don't know, it, and I think that was kind of the same with, like, the Curd Ape uh, Lum Lion thing, mm-hmm. where, you know, you can run it in, like, your red deck, like a Curd Ape in, like, a red deck that, like, splashes for a few lands. But to me, that, I don't know, it kind of... It makes me think of, like, the Guild Mages, like, the, uh, dim- like... The Ravnica ones, like, say, like, say you're running Demir Guildmage in your black, red, aggressive deck or something. Mm-hmm. And then, like, say you're splashing a few, like, say you're splash, you have a, uh, a black, red fetch and a blue red fetch. And then, like, uh, I don't know, a, a watery grave or something. And then, like, if you are, like, it's a kind of, it seems like in those kinds of things, it's almost like a splash card that you can still play. Like, it's still essentially a splash card, like like Crystal Shard, for example. You're still essentially splashing for it. It's just that you can play it. You still get value out of it without the blue. Like, say, let's say you play Crystal Shard on turn three in, like, a white-blue uh, control deck, and then you don't draw your turn, uh, your... Uh, fetch until, like, turn seven. 
but you're still getting value out of it. Like, say you're still bouncing stuff. Yeah, let's say you're bouncing stuff with Crystal Shard. You're like, pay three on turn five. Like, uh, pay three, bounce my Rebel Arc or something. You're still getting value out of it. But I think it still is kind of in that same thing, where it's just like, it's... You know what I mean? I don't know. It's definitely different than the Dolphin Shackles. Yeah, Shackles is just like, oh, I'm not running. I need islands and a lot of them. Crushard and Spellskite, for example, while they could very well be included in blue, you're still getting a significant amount of value from them in non-blue decks. Yeah. So I'm wondering... That's kind, of, that's kind of my point on the whole thing, is that it, it's definitely possible to get value out of it without having that be a color-identified card. Yeah. I guess the thing I'm... I guess the thing I'm... At its highest level? Well, no, of course not. But if you're, you know, if it still, if it still does some work, I mean, the Dolphin Shackles doesn't do any work if you don't have islands. But, you know, you can be a, a three-color mid-range deck that, let's say, you know, you have a bunch of five-color lands. You know, if you're one of the people who play Vivids and things like that, like you, if you have a 5C mana base, you know, that could support a 5C deck if you're only three colors, you can definitely, like, I guess what you're saying, splash for the blue, and you're, you know, you're still getting an effect, and it's not really costing you a whole heck of a lot. In, in the long run. Whereas, you can't, you know, if you run the Dolphin Shackles in your non-island deck, well. Yeah. <laughs> then you're doing something wrong. Right. Like, uh, well, I need a card that I can tinker away. Oh, wait, Tinker's blue, too. Darn it! Uh. <laughs> but, you you know, need something to weld. One of those, right, right, right. I need a, I need a welding target. <laughs> it's just one of those things where I think those are a little different. Um, and, and same thing with, you know, Kurt Ape, Lone Lion, you know. To me, man, I look at those cards, and there's a red in the top corner, so it's in red. I look at Lone Lion, it's white in the top corner. Play white. Someone plays Anarchy. Yeah, Lone Lion dies. Can't slay a Lone Lion. <laughs> you can execute the Lone Lion. Yeah, you can definitely... It can be the target of affirmative action. <laughs> did everybody else think that guy was? Did everybody else think that guy was awkward? By the way, of course, he has about a billion insulting nicknames, including like I'm trying to think of them. Let's see, beer nuts. <laughs> are there other like? I don't want to say. I obviously don't want to say his name. There were a couple uh, alliterative things with his name. <laughs> I think beer nuts might have been big dumb. <laughs> Big dumb? That's like something I would come up with. Uh, he wrote a tournament report for a website one time, and it's literally like... I, I can't even describe to you how incredibly awkward... Have you ever watched one of these talent shows, and the person gets up there and starts talking, and you just know that a train wreck is about to happen? Yeah. Chance and... You know where that this is going to end well for anybody, and you yes. know it's coming, and you're just like, "Oh my God, I can't look away because this is going to be horrific." That was the tournament report. I mean, like a train going off the rails. Translator to try to figure out what what was being said. It was published on some website. I I, I don't think I could find it to include it in the show notes, but if I can, I will. Well, if you didn't say you wanted to keep his name, like, if you do, I mean, wouldn't that kind of reveal his identity? Name on it. I, I mean, ugh. Oh, okay. I, yeah. But the other thing, too, is I could also just copy the text and post it somewhere where you guys can see it without his name on it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> well, 
photo bucket or something like that and just black out the name. Yeah. I don't know, man. Is there uh, any other stuff you want to talk about as far as uh, classifying the cube? Obviously, you know, your sections are going to have to change with with the size of your cube. I'm sure that makes sense. But, you know, yeah, like, you make sure you adjust your non-Wooberg sections accordingly. Yeah, I mean, there's there's room, like, you know, you don't have to, uh, you know, it's pretty flexible. I think either way is flexible, whether, whether you're going to a more traditional kind of thing or, like, a guild kind of thing. I think, like, obviously, Wooberg should all be the same. Like, there are some cubes that have, like, more blue cards than all the other cards, and that just seems like, like, like a kid who doesn't want to eat vegetables and just wants to eat cake for dinner or something. <laughs> it doesn't make that sense. Because doesn't want to cut more blue cards. But it's, like, I think that I think everything else, like, you, let's say you have, uh, after Wooberg, you have, like, uh, I don't know, like, 200 cards left for just whatever. Then, you know, it's pretty flexible. I mean, you can have more artifacts. You can have, like, a bigger artifact section or a smaller one. You could have more multicolor. It's just that, you know, just keeping in mind, it's just, like, you know, like, uh, like Evan Irwin's kid used to have, like, a, uh, multicolor section and a hybrid section, and both was, yeah, they were both the same, like, I think they were both five each, and there was just some really awkward cards in there, like, Mercy Killing, and, like, Memory Pl- yeah, Noggle Bandit, and, like, uh, like, I don't know, I think I actually used to run Noggle Bandit when I was trying to force a hybrid card, because that was the best one, I'm like, oh well, Guess I'll run. Noggle's better than Noggle Bandit, right? Probably, honestly, it's probably better for those decks. Like, it's probably better for blue red, but it, and then like maybe Noggle Band is more of a is like playable and more stuff. But and then again, it's just like, is it going to make the final forty of many decks? And that's kind of the thing. It's only good when you can stick the blue red uh, enchantment on it. Oh wow! Yeah, the clout or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Apparently that was like the nut deck in like that uh yeah, when there's popper blue red all the time in the full in the full block you just you just force mono red but I remember doing like triple uh, even tie drafts and oh red like literally it was just like oh look blue red mimic pent blue red yeah mimic 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 pent clout pent clout pent every once in a while you get like a hatchet bully or like spike the hatchet bully <laughs> yeah oh, deck was stupid. Those formats are horrible. Hey, look, the uh, Witherburn spell. We'll take that one, too. Oh, look, yeah. Jab. We did it. <laughs> Flame Jab was so awesome. Just kill all their mimics. Yeah. All your mimics were untouchable because of clout. Yeah. I really hated that format. Promo dudes. I liked it. Uh, I mean, I, probably because I didn't lose very many matches. Yeah. That would do it. We were at all the time. I just like triple small set traps, though, because I'm a masochist, and I like figuring them out. Yeah. Figuring out how to how to break them. Most of yeah. stupid stuff. <laughs> like forcing wizards and triple morning tide draft. Huh. That was fun. Well, what was that like the Merfolk? Like you go Merfolk yep. wizards or something? Yep. And you have like the Merfolk guy that all your wizards come to play with extra counters on them. And oh yeah, and you could like tables. Yeah. Yeah, that was a. Uh, the only thing is, too, is everybody would try to jam up the uh, the rogue deck. Did that work? Yeah, I mean, if you had uh, Unus Blackguards, it did. Oh, yeah, that guy was nuts. But, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
anyway. It's all good. <laughs> well, if you but have it's... any questions about uh, organizational type stuff that, that we didn't go over, by all means, hit us up, you know, uh, hit us up in the forum on MPG Cast. hit us up in the forum on MPG Salvation, hit us up on uh, my Twitter, which is Anthony42, hit us up on Usman's Twitter, which is... Uh, Usman the Red. Hit us up on Usman's website, which is... Uh, I'd rather be cubing.wordpress.com. Hit us up at our email address, which is mtgthethirdpower at gmail.com. We try to get back to... Uh, we, we've been a, a little a little slow on getting back to some of those emails, because uh, I think we both assume that the other person is checking them. Yeah, <laughs> Like, oh, I'm sure Usman checked it, you know, in the past couple of days. I'm sure Anthony checked in the past. Yeah. So we get asked a question like, "Oh my God, I need to know what's going on for something." Uh, and we're like, "Yeah, I'm sure we'll get to it." Yeah. But I think, guys, hopefully this cast is going to go up uh, soon before this weekend because uh, this weekend, June 3rd through 5th, uh, we're going to be at the Star City Games Invitational in Indianapolis, Indiana, and we're going to be uh, cubing a bunch and gaming a bunch, and I think there's even some plans maybe for a little surprise, too, while we're there. Oh, snap. Oh, is, this, is it like so under wraps? Definitely make sure you, if you're going to the Indianapolis, definitely make sure you come by and and uh, and come by and see us. If you like the show, let us know. If you don't like the show, tell us to know that, too, but maybe you'll just lie and tell us that you like the show. <laughs> yeah. If they don't like the show, why are they this deep in? Like, and, and the other thing too, uh, what's the other reason people want to see us? Oh, we uh, I finally got back the uh, business cards, the the Maloku ones that Inkwell Looter did with like the uh, I posted it I think on the blog. I think I talked about it, but I wanted to kind of I don't know why because I posted. I'm like, hey, Inkwell Looter is making us things, and I was like, hey, let's keep it under wraps. I'm like. That doesn't make sense. But anyway, got those uh, finally done, and, uh, yeah, they're all snazzy and stuff. They're, they're pretty awesome. I mean, pick, up, pick up some Maloku tokens for your uh, for your cube. Pick yeah, because there's no... Play with them and give them to some other people. It's got our info on the back. Get some more people. If, if you know people who love cubing, I'm sure you guys do, too. That's why you're listening. But give them to other people who love cubing, too, so they can uh, they can take a listen as well. Yeah. And I think, like, one thing I just wanted to uh, say just on the whole guild thing or whatever, it's just like, or the multicolor thing or anything, I think it's all about just, like, in the grand scheme of things, you know, just, you know, just keeping your cube organized. Like, I th- I like the guild system just because it seems like it makes things at their most optimal. Like you said, like, Legionnaire is, you know, optimal and, you know, best played in white decks or whatever. But it's just overall... You know, just thinking in terms of micro and macro and, and whatnot and just overall thinking of, you know, your overall cube vision and all that fun stuff. Just, yeah, keep your cube balanced. Keep it awesome. Rock it out. Yeah, that's the big thing. You want to make sure overall, um, in, in the grand scheme of things, guys, it's your cube. You can do whatever you want with it, especially if your play group likes it. Make sure to talk to those guys. Make sure you know what they're doing. But you know what? If if it's playing the way you want it to play, if you're having fun with it, and everybody else is having fun with it, then it's got to be right, right? Yeah, definitely. Only so far. If you <laughs> you bring about your dragon cube, but you know, yeah, I'm okay. I don't need to drag. 
haymaker cards. Time and time. Yeah. <laughs> sure, you so, can. You know, everybody's got their own opinions on, on what is perfect and what is awesome. But you know what? If it works for you, that's awesome. However, we found these methods to to work a, a bit better than just throwing a bunch of cards that you like into a box and, and going at it. So. Yeah, definitely. And uh, another thing, like, uh, I guess that's about it. I was going to say, if you see some some brown guy... If you see some brown guy in a, uh, either a Star City shirt or a heavy metal shirt, <laughs> it's probably me. So I guess... You know, I'll say, hey. It could be Ollie. It could be. I don't know if he's a metal fan, though, honestly. Yeah, it's true, but he'll have a Star City shirt on, likely. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I will. Yeah, uh, the NASCAR Star City shirt. Uh, <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. yeah. I always feel like everybody's a bunch of, like, stock cars going around the room. <laughs> Big Star City shirts on. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, if he's... <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, and the NTG mob sticker is kind of like with the logos they have on the NASCAR cars. Yeah. Kind of like that, I guess. But yeah, if you see either of us, like, you know, or if you see us, like, cubing, if you see a bunch of people cubing, it's probably us. And be like, hey, I, I hate your show. Give us some Maloku tokens. I'll be like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you don't like the show. Here, give these to other people so they will listen and not like the show, too. Yeah, spread the hate or whatever. Kind of, yeah. That works. Well, I guess there is only one more thing to, to actually do here. Yeah, there is. There's one last thing that we didn't do last time. Rock over London. Rock on Chicago. Invasion. Fight the enemy. Join the coalition. Talk to you guys this weekend. Hope to see you then. See y'all. Whatever. <laughs>